three places that I find tranquility and peace. Well, besides in prayer with, with the Lord, but right. there's three places. One, the golf course. Yes. Especially on hole, hole four and five, because after that, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> with me. Two, on a mountain with, 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 with snow. Love skiing. Love skiing. Yes. And three, on a boat in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the ocean. You know, th those three places, I mean, I find the most peace, the most tranquility. Uh, my heart rate drops. My blood pressure drops. And I always thought of myself, wow, while on the golf course, I wish I could be a golfer, right? That would be great. That would right. be terrific. It would be. Right? Very skilled sport. Very, yeah, no shit. <laughs> 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 the ball doesn't move and I can't even hit it. But yeah, I can hit it. I used to be able to hit an 85, 86 mile per hour yeah. basketball. Then we have the slopes, the ski slopes. Mm -hmm. I wish I, you know, I can be an Olympic, you know, skier. Have you skied before? Absolutely. Okay. Remember, I went to school in North Carolina. Yes. And so on the weekends, we would go skiing in, in the winter, you know, and, and, uh, at, at, in Beach Mountain, Grandfather Mountain, all that area. So I learned how to ski when I was very, very young, and I kept on skiing. Right. And, but on the boat, I always said to myself, well, maybe a professional fisherman, mm -hmm. you know, a diver. I don't know, maybe, a, you know, go, go look for treasure. Right. Never has it occurred to me to be a powerboat race yeah. pro driver, professional or whatever and i know about the sport living in south florida but i really but i don't know about it right i, I think i never thought about doing it either but i walk by the water all the time i know that and i see they have speedboats going and uh it's kind of tricky because it's like man i want to do it's kind of like i want to jump out of a plane but i'm never going to do it right it's kind of like i want to drive in that fast boat but to me, on the water, it's hard. It's easy to lose control. Like you don't really have control of something floating on the water. You right. Know what I mean? See, I haven't even gotten that far because I haven't seen. I, I've any... seen videos, and those guys. I don't yeah. know how fast they're, they have to be going at least hundred miles an hour. I would say hundred plus. Yeah. Have you ever seen them when the, it picks air and the boats are like completely lifted? I, like, up the ground? Yeah, I have. I have because I've seen also videos and and, and yeah. old old clips or old film. Uh, of those of those power boats. And I remember when I was younger, my dad took me once or twice to Marine Stadium mm -hmm. when Marine Stadium was Marine Stadium, right. not the, the uh, graffiti uh, mm -hmm. uh, artwork that it has become right. now in, in, in Key Biscayne. And I remember seeing them, but I was young. And and I've really never met, uh, you know, out of all the athletes that I've dealt with in my life, in my past, of course, mm -hmm. I've never dealt with a powerboat racer i've never met one, right and i've never really met one until recently our next guest or our guest for today i should say is known as the prince of offshore mr peter dago welcome thank you thank you for the nice introduction you like that one right <laughs> yeah all right well listen i have a million questions not not a million but i have like a few interesting questions i have a lot of questions about powerboat racing in general oh yeah me too you too? Oh, yeah. All right. So who goes first? You or me? I, I'll go first. Go ahead. All right. I'll go Great. Ahead. I have this one question I have to ask. Because before you came on the show, 
I was looking at all your accolades and looking going through all this information that 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 you shared with us, and I don't understand the three people on a boat because I know race car driving, and in race cars there's one one person, one person shifting or throttling right or right. throttling with their feet and driving at the same time and shifting at the same time right right okay so my for, my, my question to you is uh, is why three people on a powerboat well think of it as a team that has to be all in sync and really uh running the boat in three with three different minds and each person has a particular duty in that race boat. For instance, you said driver. You have somebody that drives a car. It's going to both drive, is going to be able to accelerate and shift. Well, think about it, how that's all split into three different individuals. And that's what it was back in the day. It used to be that you had the navigator, the throttleman, and the driver. Well, obviously, we know what the driver does. The driver is going to be steering the boat and is going to be looking to whatever the navigator, who is the third person, usually on the left mm -hmm. or on the right, that's going to be indicating. And it's going to be able to point out to wherever each of the uh, different points of the course that, you know, would be what they call check boats, that uh, the course is marked. Usually back in the day, the courses were for each lap 25, 30 miles. So it took a lot of navigating skill. So that's why you had to have the navigator. I leave the throttleman behind because the throttleman was the person or is the person that is responsible for the attitude of the boat and is going to run like what you were saying, that you were amazed with how these boats jump from wave to wave and how they go up. Well, he's the one that's really responsible for keeping the attitude of the boat and the speed of the boat as they hit the waves. You don't want to be uh, where you hit the wave and you're going straight up, like you're saying, because right. that loses time and it could really hurt you. In other words, you catch a wave and the next wave, you're, you're trying to stay on top of it because if you fall short of it and you trip, you go straight down to the next wave and now you stuff what they call stuff that's why you see sometimes that the boats have all this real big splash and they go underneath like a submarine mm -hmm. that usually gets a lot of people hurt Got and let me ask you something pete and what do they call you the prince of offshore oh how many can, can you can you tell us how many championships you've won um and and where you won them and just tell us a little bit about 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 that and and how you got your nickname because if there's a prince, is there a princess? <laughs> Wherever there's a prince, there's a princess. And if there is a prince, is there a king? Okay, well, go ahead. How, how it all began was, obviously, I started early on, and I was very youthful uh, looking in the sense that, you know, look young, and uh, I was up and coming, so I was really making a name for myself. When did you start? What age? Uh, when I was about 20, 21 years old. Uh, I raced for somebody else that, you know, his throttleman became ill. And I was basically there, like they say, the right time, right place to get that break. And uh, the person went ahead and told me, he says, hey, uh, you want to throttle? I looked at him. I said, sure. 
and that was my break. I went out there and and performed, you know, really well. And you know, we were in third place, I believe, at the time before we had a an engine problem that we blew the the drive, and uh, you know, we fell back. But it made such an impact that you know, I I put notice that here I am. And you and you were his guy. And basically, after that, you know, I started throwing, and and then you know, started where I decided that well, I'm going to do this for myself, you know, and and I got a boat, bought a used boat, started building it. And I uh, basically re-rigged it and, and made it race ready because there's the the pounding that you took back then was considerable. So you had to have the type of ringing that you would find on an airplane or something that would have major impact, major vibrations. So um, we did that and we did, redid the engine so the engines would have more horsepower and um, we just, you know, started making a name for, in this case, a name for myself with our team. And uh, that boat was called Miami's Best. It was a signature uh, 28 foot. And um, we were running against much larger boats and beating them. So how big um, are the boats normally? It, it depends on the class. You know, it was because I was doing it in a local level. Mm. So they had like this, uh, what they call the sportsman series. And, and they would allow for local racers that, you know, that raced on weekends against one another, finally be organized and say, okay, you want to find out who's the fastest, come over here. We're going to run a hundred miles or 70 miles, whatever it is, because different classes ran more miles than others. Right. And, uh, our first two races we won. And then I'm surprised that you said it was 30 mile distance, the race each lap. Each lap was 30 miles. So if you have five laps, that's 150 miles. I would have never guessed it was that far. That's yeah. Uh, yeah that's far. Now, now the races and, and the races they run now, they're five miles a lap. So while we have one leg that was five to seven miles, they do a whole lap. Because the reason they did that is because they want more exposure. They want more spectators to see this, to see this phenomenon, like you said, of watching these boats jump up and right. down, race one another. So by making the courses shorter, they now have more racing. You know, you, you get to see them because they're more bunched together. See, back in the day, as you were, let's say, uh, the better boat or whatever, you start stretching and making a distance between the next person or whatever. Now they're so short that the distances that you make might be maybe so three or four boat lengths. It makes it more exciting. It makes it more exciting for the spectator right for the old guys you know meaning the true and blue like you have baseball mm -hmm. that you have you know the the traditions well the traditions of offshore you know there's that controversy of okay old versus new right oh you would never touch me if yeah. uh, we were running real offshore because the old offshore guys call the new guys bay shore right because they're running around the bay or close mm -hmm. to shore so they it's sort of like uh a little it's, it's like the MJ, it's like the mj lebron controversy right. <laughs> yeah, exactly what, what, what's the speed that you guys maintain like consistently it, i know you probably go the, up and down yeah the the boats the boats now for instance i have a good friend of mine steve curtis you know and you know i get to talk with him a lot and he you know is running upward into the 150s 160 miles really? an hour Whoa. and you have when you have that kind of speed you're running 
at an average of maybe 125, 130 miles more. With, with that being said, and, and you know the risk of the waves and the boat bouncing and, and it could go down or up, flip. Right. Is there any fear factor? Oh, there's that's that's the part of the adrenaline. Right. There's like you you started to say when you guys were talking about the golf, going back to that, the <laughs> golf, uh, the skiing. And you have when you ski, you're jumping over slopes, you right. know, and you're jumping over little berms, you know, and, and you're sort of, uh, you know, getting the feel of everything and you're in control. Well, and offshore, you're not only racing against a fellow racer, you're racing against the elements, right. meaning you're racing against what's in front of you, which is the ocean, the waves. And each wave have a wave pattern. You, you become that you start catching that and you start seeing and you're able to identify it there's always after let's say five or seven waves there's this one wave that is really there to really make you sort of like letting you know hey you can't beat me because you'll never guess me and you'll never figure out how you do it you try to do it by being prepared for that one wave see i i know all about the elements now right because i went skiing right and I thought it was me versus me. Right. Until I made the wrong turn and I went straight down a mountain and I probably rolled. We talked about that, right? Yeah. I probably crashed 400 yards. Wow. My gloves, boots, everything was <laughs> right. blew off. I remember. That's I know the I feeling. realized I don't have control over this sport. Right. right. My surroundings is a, is a big part, which, yeah. you know, I've seen videos on the boats and I always see them like, it looks like it's really hard to control. Right. Like when it, it like, I have a, like I drove a regular boat and me just going, 30 miles per hour hitting a wave, it's kind of like, it's scary. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And there's, I don't know how you guys do that. There's an intricacy of, of what I just said right now with the waves because you're following the waves, but the guys now, how they run, and of course I haven't run uh, with that new setup the way they, right. they run now because it's a lot of turns. So now how you set up your boats, your boats are now more set up for going fast and coming out of a curve because right. there's so many of them that as you come in and go out, you you have to be ahead of whoever you know you're coming in or you're right. trying to to catch up to. If there's a little bit of rough, then whoever has that talent to be able to run hard, because that's the thing that you know when you have that one to two three foot chop, most of everybody that's racing they have that capability. So when it starts going higher at a higher speed, now it, it takes more right. talent because now you have to, what we call as throttlemen, play the piano. The piano means that you're playing with the trim tabs, which are the tabs that control the attitude of the boat. Right. So as you go down, the bow of the boat stays sort of level or that you take a wave, it won't put you straight up, like you right. said. And then you have the drives, or in this case, if you have outboards, you have the outboards that trim out, that's what gets you the speed. So once you find that balance between both and you're able to run over that stuff, then you're really flying. So the water conditions won't cancel a, a race, will it? Because it's not like they could go out there and pave the ocean. So you couldn't have a set date, go out there and you don't back know what in the, the water is going to be. Back in the day, uh, the guys would look forward to that because that would separate who was who. Right. You know, who were the bad boys mm -hmm. that could run no matter what conditions. And then there are, of course, the guys that were praying for the flat water, <laughs> that they were super fast. And then you really had to be on your P's and Q's, you know, to really make everything fly. 
But when you went into the rough water, it was like this extra um, thrill that you were not only going against the best of the best to say, I'm, I'm it, I'm, I'm better than you, I'm whatever. And at the same time, that if you're able to overcome, win the race, beat everybody at the same time, you're able to say that you conquered the water, then you could say, hey, I did this. Right. And that's what some of the guys would look forward to, that now it's very difficult. Uh, when you go down to Key West because of the reputation it's always had, you're always going to find some kind of rough water, especially in November. Well, so it, it's so Pete, you so you started locally, right? Uh, and you, you were racing for someone, then you went ahead and got your own boat, your own race team. Miami's best, love the name by the way, 305, right? My, yeah, Miami's best. And so, when did you when did you start going international? When did you win your 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 world championship? Um, and what came after that? Yeah. Well, we um, we we took on that name because it was, it was bold, and and a lot of people didn't like that. You know, it was sort of like in your face, mm -hmm. proving yeah, wrong, right? And everybody, we sort of put a target on ourselves. Didn't know it at the time, but afterwards, I loved it because once I won, I said, "Now catch me!" Right. So, um, you know, even in the back, you know, I, I, from the Clean Eastwood uh, movies, you know, his famous line was, "Go ahead." Right. make my day right. so it was even more that you know that was in the back of the transom so uh it was sort of like you know now everybody's trying to not only win the race but try to smash us so that mm -hmm. right. <laughs> we would have to take that off you know right. but they weren't able to do it right. and uh we did that locally and, and how we came up with the name because we, we were running against whoever was in the bay and whoever was going out in the ocean if somebody said come on, or, or sort of like, you know, yeah. challenge us to say, hey, let's go race. And we started beating everybody. And just one day it just came, you know, the name came about by saying, hey, so, I'm going Miami's best. Where right. where do you guys practice? Because I live by the water. I don't ever see it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there has to be a spot where you guys probably you just don't yeah. show up and well, race. And the, the thing is, is how, how I started doing it is running inside the bay. Whoever was around, I would come right next to them. And if they went, I took off. Yeah. And that's how we raced inside. But then I started going out government cut. Usually government cut is pretty nasty. Nastier was all over. Oh, yeah. So, so... <laughs> You know, whenever we were going out, we went out government cut. Whenever we were coming back in, we went through hell over. So we would get the boast of, you know, being able to go on that kind of water and, and come through it at a speed that, you know, said to me, okay, you know, you're getting better and better. But the practice really, to, to answer you, the practice was going out in the ocean and, and learning and learning mistakes. I spun out. I almost came out of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guys who were with me weren't as lucky. What, I was gonna say, what kind of injuries do you find? Like what? What? Like do your people knees die from it actually? From back? Oh yes. Really? Yes. If you stuff, like what I explained earlier yeah. in the show, if you stuff, you hit the the you trip and you fall in. Uh, the water that comes over the the deck, it's um, tons of water, and yeah. and that kind of it's like hitting a brick wall. Mm. So most people break their necks or break their backs 
you know, they they've they've had some real bad accidents. That's why canopies came into place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were one of the first to go full canopies. They were at the time when we raced in 87, only three of us. Didn't you didn't you have an I think I read that you had an accident? Yeah, an accident Ex in, in the Orleans. Did you have saved my life. There? I'm, I'm actually here. Can you, having, can you walk us through what happened with that? Oh, that that was uh that was something. Um we're we're running uh with a new boat. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, 32 skater uh, that had been built especially for us. And um, we were running and we were trying to get the bugs out of it. And like everything, when you get a new boat, there's different things that you're trying. Right. Everything is in a rush to put together because it's two of everything. Right. See, in a car, when you're running with a car, it's just the engine, the transmission. And then, you know, the steering and so forth and so on. But in a boat, you have two of everything. So whatever you see in a car, it's duplicated. A car has wheels, has a transmission, whatever. The boat has the transmission, which in this case, it's called crash boxes. That's mm -hmm. another story. Uh, then you have the, the out drives, which you know would be considered the drivetrain, the, the rear end of a, of a car. And then you have the props, which would be considered the, uh, the wheels right. in this case. Um, so you have twice as much of a chance of something going wrong that it'll break, you know, or, or have some something to slow you down because once you got one engine, everybody's going by you. Yeah. So um we were getting all that ready um to run. We we ran the first race, we finished third, which is is not bad, you know, but you know, as you're used to winning, mm -hmm. you want to do better. So we went to a second race. And as we were learning the boat with the different things that we could do, we got another third. And uh, so now we're in New Orleans and I have a chance now to try to get the lead. And it's rough. It's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. uh, that day, at least six, I want to say six to seven boats had accidents. Uh, three that were major. One of them was ours. It, weren't, it wasn't recorded because it could have been that bad. But the, the boat that did see it saw us when we flipped. And um, take you before that happened is we're running and we're trying to catch up to the leaders. And we go into the rough leg. And this time I'm close to them. And I'm saying, okay, I'm going to get you. And I start going and going and going. But unbeknown to me, uh, I hit a buoy. Mm -hmm. and, and it's sort of like a crab buoy. Mm -hmm. And that buoy pulled the trim lines that i had completely just when we looked afterwards mm -hmm. the boat they were just like torn and um when that happened uh the uh, fluid the hydraulic fluid that pulls or pushes the the ram for the drives to either go up or down is now completely loose so every time that i came off the boat the the drives would go up mm. every time i came back in the drives would push in so what was happening in the catamaran when you're running, you know, you're running like this on the ocean. But when you have something that changes, in this case, that it was changing this, it was making me do this. Right. So it kept doing this and it kept, you know, changing. me. The waves were coming in sort of from the um, port side. Yeah, they were coming from the port side. So um, it was just like a, a real because it's Lake Pontchartrain. So the, the water was really a little bit different than what you would find in the ocean. And 
next thing you know, I had saved it a couple of times. And this one time, like I said to you at the beginning of the show, there's a pattern of waves. Right. Well, this one wave that wasn't supposed to be there came. And as I was coming over here, even though I had saved it a couple of times, came and just hit me and turned me that I hit the next wave, turned me like this and turned me. And I went straight up. Now, mind you, the canopies were designed so that if you stuffed, mm -hmm. like people were being killed or hurt really badly because every time you stuffed, the water that would come from on top of the deck, um, you know, would would hurt. So, you know, we did it designed for that, but not to be upside down. Right. In other words, to have the impact straight. So when I'm doing this and I'm seeing this, the first thing that came to my head, I felt like a turtle. I put my head down and I'm bracing because I'm saying this thing is going to shear this off. Right. And, you know, that's it. You know, whatever. Let me let me try to, you know, put my neck in a way that I don't know what I was thinking, but I know that I put my yeah, get down. My neck down. Yeah. I'm strapped down in five five point harness. So it's not letting me come. So I'm upside down. So I'm seeing all this. We landed flat ran from what the witnesses saying i don't know because to me everything was so fast right. that i you can't imagine we ran upside down about 50 yards and just like that i mean we bounced and whatever but just like that that wave that wasn't supposed to be there bounced us back again blew a five foot hole on the side of the boat that we almost sank and and we were up mind you the first thing that that i came as a reaction was I hit the pumps. I hit the the bilge pumps because you know I'm saying that you know I'm seeing the boat starting to do this. Mm. So I knew that something was was bad. I just didn't know how bad. And um, you know we we were able to you know stay afloat. And then the rescue came over because everybody saw it. And then the one guy that you know was a witness that was there taking pictures uh, had the camera. But when he saw that, he brought down the camera to look. And didn't capture and didn't, didn't capture, capture that, but they have right. you know the eyewitnesses and all that mm -hmm. that saw it. So that was my yeah. episode. Were, were you and uh, and then you did you retire? Did, did you retire shortly after that, or oh, you or you kept on going right <laughs> after that? Going. I was more determined, so much so that um, we hydraulic the, the the motors because when we stuffed the water came into the motors, as you can imagine, the motors are on. Water comes in. Hydraulic means when the water goes into to the cylinders, you know, right. to the the engine cylinders. So now you can't move the the uh, the engine over to start and all that. So I'm being towed in, and I'm about maybe from that point about 12 miles from where I was supposed to go. But if you're going five miles an hour, you figure it out. Yeah, it's gonna take me over an hour to get there. In that time that I'm doing the first half hour, I'm working on the engines. And, uh, you know, I was going to take the uh, the plugs out, but I remembered and I learned how to, you know, make the engines um, basically push out the water with, with the valves by tapping, you know, slightly but continuously mm -hmm. the engine with the starter so it would have the vibration to let the water out. Well, make a story short, I got like after 30, 35 minutes, one engine started. So I went right, the guy that's with me, mind you is he, he was never going to be the same afterwards and i i couldn't use him afterwards right. because we ran one more race together as a unit and he just couldn't get over it 
Every time the boat did this, a little PTSD there. He oh, yeah. sort of started to careful, careful, yeah. so, slow so, down. So, Pete, uh, let me let, let me ask you this question: uh, You you raced for how many years in total? I started in '81 and ended in in '91. Uh, okay, and today there is it more organized this league of this powerboat uh, power i'm gonna say racing. the the is there a league is there an association yeah, there's there's def there's definitely uh, a league it's just that it's a several associations right. that you know that, that are working we used right. to be under afpba american powerboat association it's the oldest club that has been i'm sure it has competition now right yeah. and most of them you know are, are sort of like an umbrella mm -hmm. their apa gives them an umbrella for them to run right. their, their races uh the oldest and and that i was able to have both uh is uim which is and you won a championship on there right exactly i think you won a championship in every single organization that that that, well, that was out there we, we we got our first right after i finished you know running locally you know, uh, where one guy, and I was about to say, came over to me and, and said, yeah, you know, you're beating up on us, but you, you can't compete with those guys. Mm -hmm. So I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're right. I'm, I'm going to keep beating you guys. And if I really want to show that I'm the best, I'm going to have to go at the national uh -huh. level. So the next year, which was 85, we went. And our very first year, we won both the national championship and the world championship. Wow. That's amazing. So just off the rip. Yeah. And along the way, we were making a name. We were getting the gremlins right. off our boat, you know, different things and trying yeah. different things and making it faster, slower and slower. Mm. So we came back again in 86. We finished second uh, and uh, second in Gold Coast. And we won again a world championship. That's, ama that, that's amazing. Um, do, does, that, does, does that sport have a big following? is he or is it more international i feel like that that sport is more more international I, i'm gonna ask you why you, you know the last not now now i remember where i saw where i would see a power uh, an offshore boat all the time remember miami vice yes. you're too young i remember Miami Vice. all right the miami vice opening right it was the palm trees the mm -hmm. flamingo and the boat, the boat. <laughs> and by the way that was pete inside the boat racing uh, <laughs> i'm sure pete what um what are you doing today what 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 are you well, doing now, now what are you doing now after you retired you yeah. put the boat to rest uh are you still involved in the sport yeah after we 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 got our three world championships uh we kept competitively we kept you know placing we got mm -hmm. third second this that mm -hmm. all the way up to 91 until we had the accident uh, you know, just took the time off and and basically, you know, just focus on on you know whatever the future was going to bring, and that's what brings me to what I'm doing now. Uh, we're working on a 40 foot uh, open fisherman that is going to be sort of in competition in that category with the Freemans, uh, the Invincibles, the Prowlers, and these are all what teams, racing teams. No, these are, actually, these are actually uh, open fish that, you know, are really to go out, you know, fish and, you know, have a fun time. Take them to, let's say, a sandbar or take them to a little island. It's not uh, it's not offshore. No, but. <laughs> offshore. But. Yeah, racing fishing. <laughs> but. But. What I did was in redesigning <laughs> the the bottom that competitiveness, that, that racing part of it. Right. Is that I wanted to be 
the best out there. I wanted to be the best performing, not only in speed, yeah. but in the rough water capabilities. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, when we do come out and Absolutely. finally take it out, that that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Then we have the smaller models, the 30 and 32, which Ray, um, Moreno, he's, he's the uh, principal that, you know, I've been working right. with and working this and he wants to go out racing. And I can't say that uh, I'm committed just yet, but mm -hmm. that, that blood seems to be. Oh yeah. You have it boiling. in you, right? You have it in you. And uh, yeah, so it, we'll see what, what takes place yeah. in the future with that. That's awesome. I know you're very competitive. Uh, I've known you now for a little bit over a year. Right. And I knew that, uh, you know, he, uh, Pete, Pete, uh, wanted to get fit and everything. And so, um, I, you know, I gave him, uh, I gave him some, some tips, right. right. That, and, and he went out and he actually did, did, did it. And, and he got, he got fit. He lost weight. Right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, feeling like a million, right, yeah. Pete. And, um, and, and, and so I know that you have that competitive drive in you. Right. Uh, and I think everybody that we've had on the show, that 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 is a retired athlete ha has that competitive drive, and I know that that's gone over to your, you know, it spilled over to your to your personal life. Right. But I want to thank you for coming on the show. Okay, thank you, I, I, thank I, you for more than anything for your tips. Yeah, and of course <laughs> your advice because I, you know, like you said, I went from a high percentage fat to a low percentage where yeah. you know I'm hopefully getting below fifteen. Yeah, which is you know great and. Uh, uh, more than anything else, it gets me ready to be in shape. That whatever the future is to come, absolutely, I'm fit for it. Because yeah. you know, I I'm think sure you can get back on the in, inside that cockpit and, and ready to go. At least you look the part. I've seen pictures from before and now, and you know, uh, you you definitely you definitely look the part. So I appreciate it. And I just want to say that I had a great time at the Marlins opener yesterday. They should never, never pulled the pitcher. Okay, I'm okay with the shift. I'm not okay with the pitch count then that's the ugly truth. <laughs>